0: hello and welcome to the engineering career coach podcast in this episode i will be talking to wendy pillars she's an author educator leader visual strategist and graphic facilitator we're going to be talking about visual impact and how it can help engineers to strengthen their thinking skills and become better communicators i'm your host jeff perry i'm the founder of more than engineering Helping engineers and technology professionals with leadership and career coaching to create meaningful careers and lives. And this is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, brought to you by EMI, the first podcast dedicated to helping engineers and technical professionals with both their personal and professional development. Before we get started, I just want to mention that this is a free show and our sponsors help us to keep it free. So now I would like to recognize our sponsor for this episode. SSAI, Science Systems and Applications. Are you an engineer looking for an exciting career in the aerospace industry? Do you want to help design and build the next generation of satellites to monitor the health of the Earth? Explore our neighbors in the solar system and study the composition of the universe? Then you'll want to check out SSAI, from hardware to software, testing, calibration, validation, mission operations, and more. Join our team of engineers, working on exciting projects such as the Dragonfly mission to Saturn's moon Titan, the capture, containment, and return systems for the next Mars sample return mission, and the Nancy Grace Roman Space Telescope, which will unravel the secrets of dark energy and dark matter in our universe. SSAIers helped design, build, test, and launch the iconic James Webb Space Telescope, the most powerful telescope ever launched into space, and one that will be able to see the formation of the first galaxies and give us detailed information on potentially habitable exoplanets. Others contributed to the recently launched GOES-18 satellite, the latest in a series of weather satellites designed for better detection and monitoring of storms, hurricanes, lightning, smoke, as well as provide improved air quality warnings, safer flight paths, and more accurate monitoring of radiation hazards. If you see yourself working in a fast-paced, rewarding career that directly contributes to projects helping to improve our understanding of the world we live in, check out www.ssaihq.com today to apply for open positions. Now it's time to jump into this main segment of the episode. I'm so pleased to be with Wendy Pillars. Wendy, welcome to the show. So excited to have you here.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be here.
0: Now, Wendy, we want to get to know you a little bit better. So we want to hear in your own words. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about you and what life looks like for you on a daily basis?
1: There are a couple things to know about me. I am a lover of learning of all the things. So I have this relentless pursuit of knowledge. And I am currently a high school teacher. I've been teaching for 27 years, but all grade levels, kindergarten through, well, K through gray is what we now call it. So adults too. And I've taught overseas and stateside and I have use visual thinking in all those formats and all those contexts. So I feel pretty comfortable talking about it. I've also taught in the military. I was in the military for a little while. So we also used visuals in different ways for making sure that everybody was on the same page. And I am probably what you might consider a recovering perfectionist. So for those of you who are interested or worried about being perfect with your sketches or your visuals, then I'm your person. I can relate.
0: What was the impetus? Like, how did you get into using visuals as a teaching method and that being a huge part of of who you are and what you do? Where did this come from for you?
1: That's a good question. I have worked with English language learners for most of my career. So I started before the internet was a thing. And if we would run across words or concepts that kids didn't understand, well, if you don't know the language, it doesn't do much good to say, to explain it in words. So I would draw a quick visual and say, there it is. There's a shopping cart or there's the difference between a cup and a cup and sketch out really silly little visuals, but the kids would get it. We could move on and it didn't waste time. But it also, what I noticed was that the kids would feel more comfortable and at ease. So if they didn't understand the language, then they would still be able to have fun and feel relaxed, which then in turn helps them learn better.
0: And so over time, you've used these skills and you've also written about the topic. In fact, you recently wrote this book, Visual Impact. I want to hear more about this, where this came from and how it's different from other things that you've written in the past.
1: The visual impact, I've presented a lot of workshops at conferences for other educators, for other organizations, and I just keep a track of the different questions that I've received along the way. And there are quite a few questions that come up frequently or contextually with whatever is going on at the time, whether it's cultural responsivity or inclusivity, those kinds of topics too. And I compiled them. And then I had my own insights that I added. But one of the things that's unique about the book is that I wanted to walk my talk. It's literally A to Z. That was how I organized it. So there's a content area or a topic for every alphabetical letter. And on the right side is a full page visual and on the left side is the text. So people can read it about the information, but they can also see how I would visualize it And sometimes the visual will either complement or supplement the actual text itself. So people can dig in one page at a time, one content topic at a time, and then dip out and try it, hopefully in their own context.
0: If I had the book and I was sitting here using it, what might be some of the applications that I might dive in and grab something out for and then use that in a presentation? Or if I was in a teaching situation, like what are some of the ways that I might be able to use the book and the insights there?
1: One of the very first topics, for example, A, is arrows. There's different types of arrows. And on the left-hand side, there's information about how to use them. So What I might do is I teach a lot of biology, science topics, as well as the language. So if we, as a classroom or as a group, we might agree upon, well, if I make a thicker arrow, this indicates a quicker speed. Or if I do a dashed arrow, this means this is a possibility. It's not concrete yet. So you can, with your organization, and this is where a lot of discussion can come in, is create this class code or a group code, and then you have a shared reference. But this is just one example of what that might look like. Another one with my students, I talk about the brain. I talk about why visuals are really important. And there's this idea of universality. So there have been findings, cave drawings, in different parts of the world, and they are very similar, even though there was before real-time communication and transportation. It's just amazing to think that humans had this capability or mental capacity to say, okay, this represents this, and it's the same thing as across the continent There's different inroads as to not only how to create certain visuals, but why that's important. And I think that's one of the things that is key for any group organization that's going to start to use visual thinking. There's a reason behind this. We're not just drawing pictures.
0: Now, when we talk about like drawing things live for a group, you start bringing up a little bit of anxiety for me personally. I'm thinking like, hey, if I'm going to start drawing and creating visuals for people, like I need to have some fancy tools or like some really great drawing skills. I see a lot of beautiful images behind you. And in the book that you just showed me, if I'm going to really foster and do this effectively, otherwise it like won't really work. Right. So like, what would you say to someone who feels like that, like me, who maybe doesn't feel that confidence in drawing things live for a group and how visual thinking might still be useful?
1: I would tell them a couple things. First, I might say, all right, well, let's think about common concepts or words that you use a lot in your area of work or in your classroom. And then I would say, okay, well, how could we represent that? Or maybe we could figure out five icons and say, okay, how does this relate to your presentation or your objectives or your vision? And then you start to see how they come into play. And you can also get together with a group and co-create. But I would also really focus, and I know it's, it's easier said than done, But the whole idea behind it is just the process of creating. So if you're thinking about it and you haven't tried it, the very first thing I would do is say, all right, let's do this. Let's talk through it. I might sketch, I might hand you the marker and say, all right, you add this and I'll supplement. But we could do it back and forth, passing that marker. And you could see how a story can come out of even simple shapes and lines and still clarify ideas.
0: And that even if my lines aren't straight and my circles don't look good and and all those things, it it doesn't matter because we're just able to tell the story through the process of creating. Is that what you're telling me?
1: Right. And that's why I said I'm a recovering perfectionist, right? So I'm an optimalist. I believe, you know, like I know we're all challenged. I think it was, I can't remember who wrote it, but there's in teaching There are all these different strategies that are applicable to different grade levels. And by the time you get to third grade, the strategy for drawing automatically comes off the board. There are, you know, it's not seen as a quote unquote legitimate teaching strategy because it's too immature. But that was one of the reasons that I wrote another book too. That was, I was so upset. Like, no, no, that's not true. Just having this permission as adults, especially to say, okay, we can slow down a little bit. You're not slowing down your mind, but you're just decelerating the pace of all the inputs and you're generating your own thoughts. Like I think that a lot of people have so much time in a conference or in a meeting where you're just getting input, 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 and you don't have time to digest it and generate what your understanding of that is. And that's where I think this is the most, has one of the greatest values. I just wanna take a quick
0: break here and once again recognize our sponsor for this podcast episode, Washington State University. The Engineering and Technology Management program at Washington State University is a systematic approach to professional development for practicing engineers to shift from fully technical positions into leading technical employees and systems. A fully online master's degree program, students take classes at night and often implement class lessons in their positions at work before the next class. Learn more about a master's degree in Engineering and Technology Management at etm.wsu.edu or email them at etm at wsu.edu. Take charge of your career and reach out today. And I can relate with that idea and thinking back to you know my childhood personally And some situations where like, hey, you know, what I was creating and drawing wasn't the most beautiful thing compared to even my peers when I was younger. And some of those other like straightforward, objective, analytical things, math and science was just a lot straightforward. It was, that you know, there was known answers and what came to creativity was a lot of subjectivity. I didn't want to be judged on those things. And so there were some situations where I had some negative experiences with that. And so for years and years, I actively suppressed a lot of those creative outlets because i didn't enjoy it and so now recognizing that fighting against that and finding ways to engage in more creative things and so i'm sure i'm not the only one who experiences situations like that so wendy just talking about this like why do you think this is so helpful when and putting this in the context for engineers and some of the solutions that we're trying to create in the world like why do you think engineers can benefit from being able to visualize some of the solutions that they're creating?
1: First of all, I'm so sorry you had negative experiences. That stinks. And you are I don't think you're alone at all. I'm surprised, though, because in my mind, engineers have this innate creativity. Like you guys plan, you design, you report. That's very general but the idea of planning you've got pictures in your head and you have movies in your mind and you're designing and then when you go to report out there are all these different areas where you could potentially incorporate more visuals and depending on who you have to report to or who you are letting someone know or you know how your process is evolving just having basic sketches as a planning tool to brainstorm or a presentation tool. Those are all avenues for those sketches. But I hear you when you say that there's this trepidation about, well, it's not going to look professional enough, or maybe it's not going to be official or formal enough to justify my position as a, a professional engineer. Like There's this other fear of it being too cartoonish or not legitimate enough. Imagine if you were trying to explain something to someone who didn't understand what your next project was. And if you're explaining it, if you had to create a one page, maybe five by seven, let's do a smaller page, a one page visual of what your project was what your outcome or your objective was how would you extract the essence of everything that you're doing all that complexity all those layers how would you create just one simple visual maybe it is a rectangle with a couple of little lines around it and you say here's a building and these are some trees around it you know it could be really 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 simple but the fact of taking that abstract idea, because for you, it's probably not, it's probably more concrete. But if you're trying to impart your ideas to someone else, then to take that abstract and make it concrete, even in a simple way is so cool. There's one of those stories that really amped my thinking around the power of visuals was with one of my classes a few years ago. And I had a group of 17, 18, 19-year-old boys. And I was like, all right, game on, here we go. I asked them, or I didn't even say anything. I just put the word house on the board. And I know, you know, they're all English language learners, but I know they knew that word. And I said, I'm going to give you two minutes, just represent this on paper. And that was it. And I put all the instructions on the board. So they didn't even hear me say anything. And they had two minutes. And those images that they drew, every single student in there drew an entirely different representation. It was so fascinating to me because there was one kid that had all these little conversation bubbles going on with his family inside the house. And there was another one where he drew really, really tiny and he had little stick figures to represent his family. And then another one was very architectural drawing, very advanced drawing is what I guess you would say, but they all match their personalities. If I had just said, you know what house is, right? Okay, good. And moved on. I would have never had that window into their minds and their thinking and their personalities. When we are in meetings or when we are in a group setting, it's so easy for a presenter to say, Any questions? Good. Nope. Okay, good. Nobody's going to ask a question. Like, I don't want to prolong this meeting anymore. So I'm not going to ask a question. But if you had sticky notes or a piece of paper for your audience to just jot down ideas and you said, okay, what's one takeaway you have or one question you have? Can you represent it visually for me? I'm going to walk around and just see. And in a room of 100 people, you can walk around in three minutes and just put eyes on what somebody is thinking. And that's invaluable.
0: Very cool. And I'm thinking about this in the context of business communication as well. And, and going back to you talk about meetings and times where like, hey, if we're just sitting around talking about something... The, what that actually means is different in everyone's head. But when you start to visualize that, whether that's in a flow chart or a diagram or actually laying something out on a board or something, sometimes those visuals allow us to collaborate and bring ideas together in new ways. So, one thing I'm thinking about, what do you think about and how would you talk about visual thinking using these ideas to help engineers become better in business communication situations? The
1: idea of knowing what you're Ultimate objective is like you know in your mind, but does it match what your client or your whoever you're working with or working for? Is it the exact same thing that they have? So it's like painting a picture, paint like this paint done idea where your expectations are clarified and they're voiced, and everybody is exactly where they need to be. Like we, we don't have time to waste. We don't have money to waste. So let's make sure that we're on the same page and there's no shame in that. The other thing is that when I feel like when you take that time, when you just say, okay, we're going to slow this down a little bit and make sure everybody's clear. I feel like that shows or demonstrates compassion for the other person that you care that they understand that you are not in a rush, you're not trying to get out of there as soon as you can, but hey, you know, I want to make sure that all your questions are answered. And someone might not know enough to ask the right questions, but by slowing down and breaking it down, it helps. I've worked with some really brilliant people, you know, they're masters in their fields of math and science in particular, but as far as teaching someone, it's a whole different skill set when you think through it through a visual lens and actually again it's easy to say yep i know what that means or yep i get it but when you ask them to hey can you just draw that out for me not quite sure then your thinking goes into different parts of your brain and then you're activating different parts and you're oh man wait a minute what was that essence that i need it makes you think about it in a, in very different ways
0: Without using this idea of visual thinking and using the visuals to help us move through a thinking and problem-solving process, and you've been doing this for years and years, what are some of your favorite insights that you have found that come from using these tools?
1: The one example I told you about the house with the kids, you know, just realizing that if such a simple concept carried so much weight of experience and knowledge and understanding, what are we missing with even more complex ideas? Like where are those opportunities for other people to weigh in and those ideas? And we talk, there's so much about inclusivity and equity and all of that right now. And if we aren't giving voice in some way to everyone at the table, then we're doing ourselves a disservice as an organization, not getting that in. But I also thinking that we never truly understand what people are thinking until we give them that chance and that opportunity. The other, maybe the third thing is the process is really, really important. And I know that you can go online, you can find beautiful sketches that have been worked on for days or whatever, but as far as the actual process of thinking through this is crazy. My students will tell me, they'll say, my brain hurts. I said, that's good. That means you're doing it right. So if your brain hurts, then you know that your brain is using other areas that it's not accustomed to using, which to me is always a win.
0: We're talking about using that brain and stretching different parts of our brain in this way. You were talking a little bit earlier about neuroscience behind this and the brain and working and things. And so just make some of these other connections to neuroscience and how does that come into play with this type of a learning tool and how this actually helps us learn and integrate information and turn this into action and things that we can use moving forward.
1: I think there's a lot more that's coming out now with digital deluge, I guess you could call it. There's even digital dementia is a new term that I heard recently, and it is this idea of not giving your brain the chance to work through things. If you have a question, you automatically go to Google or if you are not sure about where to go, you automatically pull up your GPS, even if you've been someplace 15 times, you're like, mm, just in case, you know so we're getting to that point and there's this reliance on other inputs. From somebody else's brain whether it's a digital brain or another person even the news you know when we're constantly getting inputs from social media so there's an idea of being able to digest i like i heard who said it first not my original idea but i like this idea of when you eat food and you eat meals you need time your body needs time to digest that food you keep putting food in there, you're going to get sick. Same with digital inputs. We keep getting input, 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 and our brains need time to digest that information. And so I think that's one of the biggest things now in the last couple of years that I've noticed with students and learners that I've worked with is they're grateful for that time, they come in and they think, oh, we're going to work today. But then when they get started and they're sketching and they're trying to make those connections, there's a thinking going on, but the room is quiet. You feel this tension just decrease. And I think that with the social emotional piece of what everyone has been going through in the last couple of years is even more valuable than it has been. So despite all the other, well, in addition to all of the other visual capacities of our brain and how reliant our brains are on the visual and the processing speed of visuals, just right now, the idea of the deceleration and the analog piece of visualizing has been important.
0: And just me being curious because engineers have a lot of digital tools at their disposal to do some visualization, whether that's something as simple as a computer drawing tool or something that could help them with visuals. And then certainly we get into complex 3D renderings uh, and models of things like that using those visuals. Does the analog like, hey, I'm drawing with my hand, does that have a huge difference compared to I'm creating something on a computer or digitally in this space?
1: I can't speak to the 3D pieces. I know that's probably hitting your brain in different ways. But as far as my experience with adults and students, when we are doing anything analog, that means not having computers open, even as a reference, like the more analog, the better it forces people to think Very differently than what we are now used to. I mean, just in the past few years, 10 years, we have become uber reliant on digital ideas or how to sketch this or how to draw this. And instead, when you go analog, you're forced to look and observe around you in a different way. So we talk about how does it look? Well, if you want to draw a person, look at the student next to you or look at the person on the other side of you. How are they sitting? What is their posture? Where does their back end and their legs begin? And they start to remember that there's something outside of a screen. And so that helps a lot. I don't have anything against digital. I use uh, an iPad and Procreate app quite frequently because it's efficient for business. But as far as my preference, I like to go with markers and pens and regular paper.
0: At this point, we're going to transition into the Take Action Today segment where we'll get one final takeaway from Wendy. So we'll be right back. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show. Wendy, this has been a fun conversation. You've shared a lot of great ideas about visual learning and thinking and how to use visuals in our work. So what's the final takeaway and invitation to action you would give our listeners here and what they can do to integrate and use some of these tools that we've talked about? The key
1: word is action to not just think about it or think of excuses why you shouldn't do it. I challenge all your listeners to go to the next meeting and represent one takeaway with a simple sketch. It could be a stick figure who is representing the speaker. Or you could have a shape with a label on it to indicate another topic, but to actually challenge yourself to take at least one visual note in the next three days. That would be my action. And make sure your brain hurts because that's good.
0: Wendy, this has been a pleasure. Where can people find more out more about you and get your book and other things that you would point them to if they want to learn more and really dive in further?
1: You can find my book called Visual Impact on Barnes & Noble and Amazon. And you can find me on my website at sketchmorethinkmore.com. And I look forward to hearing from you guys.
0: Thanks again, Wendy, for what you've shared here. And I hope and think a lot of our listeners are going to take some great value out of this. So Thanks so much and look forward to, to more success from you.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: I really hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and questions. You can go to www.engineeringmanagementinstitute.org where you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in the episode as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books that we mentioned. And don't forget to check out any upcoming live webinars also at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Additionally, for any engineers who are struggling and need help taking the next career step, I've created some free training resources with an opportunity to join a more intensive program called the Engineering Career Accelerator. You can find more information at engineeringcareeraccelerator.com. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering endeavors. The strategies that you heard in this episode will be of no use to you unless you take action and start to implement them in your career immediately. To help you do that, we have designed a system that you can use at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. It combines live monthly webinars with PDHs, plus a private forum giving you access to coaches and premium content focused on helping you build your management and leadership skills. Join us for our next live webinar at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org, and we'll help you engineer your own success.